Thank you for joining us on the Desert Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that you encounter God through this message. Now, let's join our youth pastor, Sam Harris, for an inspiring message. My name is Sam, if we haven't met before. I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and I'm so excited to be sharing alongside my wife, Haley. And I'm so excited to be sharing. I'm going to talk about her a lot tonight, so I just had to throw that in there. I've just got to stay in the good books tonight. So... um, but uh, we just love uh, serving uh, Desert Life Church, serving God here and the youth. And um, if we haven't met, uh, I'd love to meet you after the service tonight. We're going to hang out and have some food um, afterwards in the foyer. And so if we haven't met, please um, make sure, I'll try and seek you out, but make sure you come and say hi to me, okay? Awesome. On your chair, you may have seen one of these little flyers. If you're on the front row, I ran out of papers, so I'm sorry. But um, most of the people in the front know, know what it is. But if uh, you're sitting anywhere, I put this on every third chair. And if you want to grab one of these, next Sunday, look at the person next to you and say, next Sunday, PM service. There is no service at Desert Life Church. Say that out loud. But instead, we are going trackside for a bonfire. Awesome. So you can stop repeating me now. Awesome. So if you grab one of these things here, and and if you don't have one, I'll make sure to get one to you. Uh, But if you grab one of these little maps that I did up here, um, it tells you all the information you need about the Fink Bonfire, which is happening next Sunday p.m. Um, It's only 8Ks uh, off the highway. So it's about a 15, 20-minute drive maximum. It's all on bitumen, except for about 20 meters, and there's a nice little car park out there for you. So please come along and join us. We're going to have uh, marshmallows, bonfire. It's going to be awesome as we celebrate this camping season and Fink weekend. Uh, why don't you join us? And if you're keen to camp, you are welcome to camp out there too. Cool? Can I get a thumbs up? One more thing, okay? If you have one of these on you. Can you please whip it out and just, and just flash it to me? If you have a cell phone, a mobile phone, a phone, whatever you want to call it, pull it out. Now, well, I want you to raise it in the air if you have Spotify on your phone. Raise it in the air if you have Spotify. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of hands. Awesome. Jump on Spotify right now. This is the only time during my message that you're allowed to uh, jump on your phone. Jump on Spotify right now. And in the search bar, I'm going to do it with you to see how long it takes just to make sure that you're not browsing Facebook while we're going through this. Jump on Spotify, go to the search bar, and type in Desert Life Church. Cool. Give me a whoop whoop when you're there. Cool. Got some people there. Now, you'll see there's a couple... um, You'll see there's a couple playlists there. Ignore the early 2000s rap music playlist. That's by Pastor Ben. But but, uh, there's one there called DLC Worship Songs. Do you see it? Yep, click on that one. And then up the top, it should say follow. Click that button to make sure you're following. Currently, we have three followers. I saw about 10 hands go up. So if I don't see at least 13 followers on there, I'm going to hunt every single one of you down after the service tonight and make sure that you subscribe to that. Make sure you follow that. Cool. That's our worship songs that we're doing. Jump on there. Listen to them on the way home. Listen to them on the way to work. Um, When you're chilling out, play those songs. Because that way you can actually know and learn some of the songs that we're doing here at church. And also the music's good for you. So make sure you jump on there and follow that. Cool? Awesome. Well, let's get into God's word tonight. As I said before, I'm sharing on the topic, the title, Get Your Passion Together. 
In, um, in relationships, this is sort of the first time I talk about Haley tonight, so, um, so here we go. In relationships, I've noticed there's, a, um, there's stages in relationships. So, um, for example, in Haley and I's relationship, we first met each other like six or seven years ago, and, um, and we started dating. So the stage one of our relationship is the dating stage, okay? Many of us have been there. Some of us are going through it right now. It's a cool stage. In stage one... In the dating stage, where is Haley gone? She's left the room. She's, she's offended already. I haven't even gotten to the bad stuff yet. Uh, in stage one, in the dating stage, uh, it's the part of the, of the relationship stage um, where there's the most passion. Now, just so you know tonight, I'm not talking about like serious romantic, you know, husband and wife passion, okay? So everyone can get a little bit less excited um, because I'm just, I'm talking about, you know, a great loving um, Christian passion, okay, here? Does everyone understand where I'm, where I'm going? So stage one is the dating stage. Haley and I went through it a number of years ago before we got married, before we were engaged. And in this stage, um, there was a, a level of passion. Um, in this stage, I would buy Haley flowers regularly, okay? That's one, that's one, um, part of the stage. People know where I'm going with this a little bit. Uh, another aspect is uh, I'd buy her chocolates sometimes. I'd shower her with gifts. And, and when I say sometimes, I mean a couple of times a week. Who's ever been there with me? How many guys have ever been there with me in that stage? Come on. Yeah, hands up. Yeah. So you go all out, okay? You're in this first stage um, of relationships. You go all out um, you are just showering your, your partner with gifts. This, this can happen both ways. Um, and that was an awesome stage. Haley loved that stage. She'll tell you that she absolutely loved it, uh, and it was great. And then I um, got the audacity to ask her to marry me, and so we got engaged, okay? And that was a special night. It was a special moment uh, that we shared. It was really cool. And I bought a dozen roses that night. Geez, I'm never buying a dozen roses again. How expensive was that? But... Um, but uh, you know, I bought a dozen roses. We had a beautiful night. And then we were engaged. She had a ring on her finger. I put a ring on it. And, um, and so I didn't have to buy flowers anymore. That's how that works, right? I didn't have to buy flowers anymore. So I, uh, and now this is a family joke. Okay, Haley will, t- will laugh about this. But, uh, but then we were engaged. So we're at stage two of uh, the relationship. We're engaged. Um, I don't have to, I, I don't not buy her flowers anymore, but they're far less regular than they once were. The chocolates were far less regular. The showering of gifts was less regular. The time that we spent together was still, was still, you know, um, quite frequent. So, uh, that's stage two of the relationship stage. And then came stage three on a beautiful day in Tasmania. Haley and I got married. Uh, it was very special, picture perfect day, um, beautiful moments. And, and it was awesome. We went on our honeymoon, um, went to Thailand and a couple other places. It was just uh, incredible. And then we got back to Alice Springs and, um, my life got awesome because I had at that time, I wasn't working at the church at that time, but I had just, um, the word's not agreed to work at the church, but I had just come on team or I was just coming on team, um, at the church and I was still working at my other job. I was, do, I was doing electrical apprenticeship. And so I got back into town and they asked me to go out bush. And I'm thinking on the day I get back from town after my honeymoon, you want me to leave my wife? No, thank you. Goodbye. And I quit my train and, uh, and came home and I was a stay at home husband. And that was awesome. 
I was staying home, playing video games. I mean, I mean, I was doing the laundry and all the dishes and the housework and stuff while Haley was working a full-time job as a manager. Um, it was awesome. That's stage three of the relationship. Now, now we've been at stage three um, for almost three years. Not, not quite three years. Three years in October. Um, stage three. And I'll tell you, I don't need to do flowers. I've noticed I don't need to do the flowers as much, the chocolates as much. But uh, all jokes aside, passion in relationships is so important. And, uh, and the truth is that even though I joke about that, uh, Haley and I have, have worked at our relationship and developed uh, our relationship to work um, the way that it does with passion, even though that I joke aside, you know, all jokes aside, as I said, I may not give her flowers as much as she'd like um, or chocolates as much as she'd like. Um, but we do have passion in our relationship. And I'll tell you why this is important in just a few moments um, when it comes to relationships. And not only my relationship with my wife or your relationship with your various people in your lives, but in our relationship with God. And uh, as I said earlier, um, get your passion together is something that God's been speaking to me about um, over the last little while. And I, want, I really want to share this tonight because I really think it can help some people to really reconnect where maybe passion has been absent in your relationship with God. I'm not uh, rousing on anybody tonight. Uh, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anybody. But I wonder tonight if you join with me by grabbing your Bible out and going to Luke chapter 24. Now, ironically, I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. Um, so if you have that, jump to the Passion Translation um, because that's going to be the best translation, most accurate translation of what I'm reading. If you don't have that translation or you don't have a Bible on you, turn your eyes to the screens because it will be on the screens. Luke chapter 24. This is a really, um, I really love this story in the Bible. Uh, it's an interesting story. And uh, I, I'd encourage you to go home and read it later um, and uh, see how God speaks to you through the story. But I was reading this story a couple of weeks ago, and uh, God spoke to me through this story um, in saying these words to get your passion together. And so I'm going to read. Um, it's, a, it's a little while. We're going to read um, from verse 13 to verse 32. Uh, but join me as we read this story. Uh, this is our text for this evening. So verse 13, and uh, in my Bible, it's titled, Jesus Walks to Emmaus. So verse 13, it's going to be up on the screen. Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, you seem to be in deep discussion. Jesus is nosy, eh? You seem to be in deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped, and the one named Clopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, what things? The things that, about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. I'm going to start reading from the screen because it's way easier. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. 
Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly the way that the women had said, but no one had seen him. Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? Whew, Jesus is rough. Why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterward to enter into his glory? Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked ahead, telling them he was going to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village and joining them at the table for supper, supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. Then he gave it to them. All at once, their eyes were opened. They realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. And that's where our text ends tonight. You know, I shared before about Haley and I and our relationship stages in our marriage. 2016 was an amazing year um, in our life, in my life. Um, and uh, that was the year we got married. Um, as I said, uh, as I described before, it was a beautiful day. It was awesome. It was really special. And um, it, it was an amazing year. Um, and, and a year that uh, when I think passion, um, passionate love, it's a year that I draw back to and think about um, these moments. And uh, also, um, 2016 was a special year because another amazing event happened. Um, at the end of our honeymoon, um, we were on a cruise ship sailing from Singapore to, to, um, to Sydney. And on the cruise ship, down in one of the, um, the lounges, in the sports lounge, they were playing the Chicago Cubs World Series games. Um, now, those of you who don't know, in, in America, we have this sport that's better than all the Australian sports called baseball, right? And, um, and baseball, there's a team called the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs are my team. I love the Chicago Cubs. I have since I was, you know, you know way, way back, because I'm, I'm 20-something. Uh, way back, I've loved them. Uh, my dad's loved them. My, my grandfather's loved them. We are diehard Cubs fans. And um, some of you may know um, that in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. And one reason why that's particularly special, not just because they're my team or anything, is because that before they won the World Series in 2016, they actually had the longest drought for a championship in sports history in the world. They had not won a sports championship for 108 years before uh, 2016. And some of you may know Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2. Who has seen the movie Back to the Future 2? So in the movie Back to the Future 2, um, they, they have some sports betting in there, which is, I'm not condoning and I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about now, but there's some sports betting in there. And one of the things is, is they find out that the Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series in 2015. In 2015, they made it to the World Series for the first time in like 40 years. And so everyone was freaking out, thinking that it was going to happen. It wasn't to happen, unfortunately. They came back and won the next year. 
But uh, when that game was happening, we had actually watched all the games. It's a best of seven series, so you have to play seven games. The first team to win four games wins. Is everyone following me? This is our intro to American sports. And um, it's a best of seven series. They had tied the series three to three. And I was in absolute agony. We had gotten back to Alice Springs. And um, um, on the day um, that the final game seven of the World Series was being played, me and Haley took the day off work like responsible people. And um, so did my dad and my brother and all my brothers and stuff like that. And we went uh, down somewhere. I don't even remember where we were now. But um, we went to watch... Uh, this game. We were in a restaurant, in Tali restaurant, actually, we were. And we're sitting there in Tali restaurant having lunch, and it was on the TV there, and we're just casually having lunch there. And they end up winning the game. We were there for a couple hours. They're winning the game. There was no one else in the room. But as they won the game, me and my dad and Calvin jumped out of our seats and just started screaming and going absolutely insane, crazy. The, uh, the chefs over uh, in the restaurant area were looking over at us. We had the wait staff coming over to us, finding out what was going on because they thought something had happened. And we're jumping out of our seats going absolutely crazy. That's passion uh, for sport and passion for the Chicago Cubs of that I, I do have. But uh, to help some of you understand, in Australia, you guys have this sport and um, there's this famous event that happens every year called State of Origin. Now, I don't want any manifestations happening tonight, so I'm not going to name the names of the teams, but there's a blue team and there's a maroon team. And, um, and we, this is like um, Switzerland independent territory here at Desert Life Church. You're accepted no matter which team you support. Um, it depends on who's on the platform, but while I'm speaking, while I'm speaking, this is Switzerland here, so you're free to support who you like. But um, state of origin... I, I would argue is the biggest Australian sporting event of the year when it comes up. Like, it's absolutely massive. Fans go crazy. I've been in Queensland when it's happening. I've seen fans going absolutely nuts, jumping around, screaming. Plenty of fights happen. It is a passionate sport. And um, I was challenged with something as I was thinking about this. I was actually thinking about the passion. Excuse me, I'm going to get a drink. I was thinking about the passion that I have for my sports team, the Chicago Cubs. And, uh, and that illustration about uh, rugby was for you guys so that you would all understand because I was losing some of you with the baseball reference. But um, <laughs> people get so passionate about sport, so much so that they're willing to fight over it. Uh, they're willing to jump up and down and scream in restaurants over it. I've seen some pretty crazy things, been to some um, big sporting events, and people are willing to jump up and down and go absolutely nuts because their team is winning or just won or scored a goal or whatever. And uh, I was challenged because God said to me, why can you do that when the Cubs win the World Series? Even if it's this amazing feat, 108 years, they finally won but I died for your sin and I was risen again and I've saved you and I've transformed your life and I've transformed your heart and I've made you new and I've done that not only to you but to everyone else uh, who calls on my name and um, we don't want to jump up and down and we don't want to clap our hands and we don't want to shout. Um, we want to stand and uh, do nothing and I was super challenged by that because God's done so much for us 
He's done so much for me in my life. I can speak personally. Um, and sometimes I'm willing to jump up and down for the Cubs or even jump up and down for one of those other rugby, rugby teams. Um, but I'm sometimes not willing to jump up and down when I'm worshiping God or when I'm thinking about God or when I'm talking to God. And uh, that challenges me because it speaks to my passion and it speaks to my heart and where my passion is. And so tonight, uh, what I want to do is I've been on this journey, as I've said, to rediscover my passion with God and to um, find that passion again and, and take hold of that passion. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to take us on a journey as we look um, at passion with God. When it comes to passions, I was reading a study recently. Everyone take a deep breath and out. Everyone smile. It's okay. No one's died. We're all okay. All right. Everyone's allowed to smile. Okay. I can see you up here and I want you smiling. I was reading a study recently on passions. Now passion, as I said before, it's not necessarily romantic passion. Passions can be said, in fact, Pastor Ben in his message this morning was talking about idols and how idols look, they might look different to the way that they did back in Ephesus, but idols are still present in our lives. And sometimes the word idol can be switched out for the word passion because what we're passionate about can be an idol in our lives. And so I was doing a, I was reading a study by a group of young adults on passion. And it was through, um, it, was, it was a study particularly on millennials, but the data was consistent with, um, with the adults and stuff like that. So it was sort of relatively across the board consistent. And what the study was, is it was about too many passions. Some of us have too many passions. I have too many passions. I uh, often talk from the stage that I love Star Wars Lego. I love Star Wars Lego. You go in my office, there's Star Wars Lego. If you go home, there's Star Wars Lego all over the place, isn't there, Haley? I love Lego, Star Wars Lego, and I'm passionate about it. Uh, I can tell you everything about it. Um, I build all the sets. I have all the sets. I love Star Wars Lego, but I also love music. I love playing guitar. We have guitars all over our house, don't we, Haley? Hanging up everywhere. You guys might be thinking, what does Haley get if Sam gets all these things? Recently, some of you may know, I didn't hear that. I'm going to ignore it. Recently, some of you may know that we've recently purchased a four-wheel drive. And so I'm now passionate about four-wheel driving. Would you know it? I'm passionate about modifying my four-wheel drive. I'm passionate about calling up some of the boys and going out four-wheel driving like every second of every day. Um, if I'm not here, I'm four-wheel driving. And uh, I have too many passions. Who's with me? Who has a few too many passions? A few too many hobbies, maybe. You know, you can, you can, you can switch the word passions for hobbies in this instance. Uh, some of us have too many passions. And this study uh, by this group of young adults was looking into too many passions and what that does. And so this group of young adults worked out that too many passions is a problem, okay? And they call it the too many passions problem. Look at the person next to you and say, the too many passions problem. The too many passions problem. Now, I'm going to need my book to read this next part because it's a bit of a tongue twister. I'm sorry. So the too many passions problem, the problem with the too many passions problem is that you begin to lose sight of the passion that you have passionate about. Blah, blah, blah. Does that make sense? The problem with the too many passions problem is that because you have too many passions, you begin to lose sight about your passion that you're passionate about. And because you begin to lose sight of your passion, the study says that you develop this thing called FOBO. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, FOBO. <laughs> FOBO. FOBO stands for fear of better option. Look at the person next to you and say, fear of better option. 
Fear of better option, Phobos. Phobo is a fear of better options. So when you have a too many passions problem, so like me, I've got a few too many passions, you have the potential to develop what this study refers to as Phobo, the fear of better options. Now what happens is because you have too many uh, passions, you begin to develop a fear that there might be other passions out there that are better for you, and then you might want to pursue those options. But because you, for, because you pursue those options, you begin to develop more passions. And I've actually seen this happen in my life. Haley knows that I can't finish a thing. I have so many passions and hobbies. I buy so many things. I try to make things, and, and I want to get in. I'm saying, oh, babe, I want to get into this, and I want to get into that, and I want to get into this. And she lets me do it, but then it just ends up lying around the house, and I don't finish anything. And, and some people are looking at your spouses or, or your friends, and, and you know that that's you. But you develop a fear of better options. And what this fear does is it overwhelms you so much to the point where the study says that you develop what the final outcome is, is passion paralysis. Passion paralysis. So you have too many passions, and it's a problem. Because of this, you develop a fear of better options, and then you get passion paralysis. And I think we see this in our Christian walk and in our Christian life, because what happens is, is we think, you know, we develop a relationship with God, we, we become saved, we become Christians, um, and we're all on a, on a different journey with that. But we get to that point, and then what can happen is, and I've definitely seen this happen in my life, is we're so excited and pumped up and passionate about our relationship with God and what God's doing in our lives, and then all of a sudden some other stuff comes up. Oh, this, this thing looks cool. And so you then begin to dabble in other passions, or you begin to dabble in, in other distractions, Um, Not necessarily bad things, but what happens is because you've developed this too many passions, it becomes a problem, and then you develop this overwhelming fear that there are better options out there for your life. Over the last few years, even before I was uh, on staff here at church, I don't don't feel, since I've been a Christian, I don't feel I've ever really had a, a fear of of sharing uh, Jesus with people. I've led many, many people to, to come to know God, ch- chatted through with many people and prayed with many people. And one thing that I have noticed a couple times is that people just get so on fire and so excited about what God's done in their life. And then they come back to me, and I've seen this a couple times, and they say, oh, look, I, I just, I'm just not sure because I just want to see what else there is in the universe. Like, I want to see what else there is for me. Has anyone else sort of experienced that or, or, or thought of that? Um, it's a thing I've noticed a couple times where people then come back and say, oh, look, I'm just not willing to commit to a relationship with God, or I'm just not really ready if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to say that, yes, God's 100% real and, and make him Lord of my life, because I want to see what else there is in this world for me. It's a big world, yada, yada, yada. I've heard it before. But um, it's because of this FOBO, this fear of better options, that there might be an option out there better for my life that I can pursue. And when there's too many passions in life, you can then develop passion paralysis. And in the life of a Christian, passion paralysis is super dangerous because it means that we're incapable of developing passion. And that that could be in a relationship, like I described with Haley and I before. That could be in our relationship with God. That could simply be with with things that we do and people can just get lonely and, and so isolated from the world. It's a dangerous place to be. So I want to share tonight, over these next few moments, Um, on a three-step process 
to a passion rediscovery. A three-step process to a passion rediscovery. And uh, if you're a note taker, bust out your phone or your notepad and uh, take down some notes because maybe you, you might be here and thinking, Sam, none of this applies to me. And that's cool. It might do one day when you develop too many passions. But uh, here's a three-step process to a passion rediscovery. And tonight I'm believing that there are some people here who maybe feel like, oh, look, I've just been a little bit too much away from God lately, and I want to get reconnected with God. And here's exactly how you do it. But this isn't just exclusively with God. This is also passions that God puts inside you. Because as I said before, passions in themselves are not evil. They're not bad. God gives us passions. He makes us passionate about things. That's why we see local, national, and global mission, because God puts passion in our hearts. Um, And so tonight, I want to share on a three-step process to a passion rediscovery. We read before out of Luke 24, and these ideas come from Luke 24. The first step to the three-step process to a passion rediscovery is be a listening person. Be a listening person. If we could pull up Brittany on the screen, verse 25. The disciples were hanging out, walking on the road to Amos, and Jesus interrupts them, and they don't recognize who Jesus is. And Jesus listens to them as they talk. I said before, he interrupted them. He listens to them while they're talking because he notices something's off. He notices that there's a lack of passion. He notices that there's something going on in their world. And so he asks them a question and they begin to explain all the things that have happened over the past week, the the past weekend as Jesus has died and they're, they're upset. In fact, Jesus says that they're sorrowful and they're upset and he recognizes that. And so then they begin to explain and talk and blab their mouths off about everything that's happened without actually recognizing that Jesus had already spoken to them about this so many times uh, throughout scripture. And uh, I think Jesus gets sick. I wasn't there, but I think Jesus gets sick and tired of hearing them just talk about the, you know, the lack of faith that they had to talk about everything that, that was going on. And I, and, I, and I imagine it like this. He interrupts them and says, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterward to enter into glory? And so Jesus talks to his disciples and tells them, he speaks to them and says, why aren't you listening to me? And why haven't you been listening to me? It's not just now, but why haven't you been listening to me all of these years that you've been walking with me? All these years you've seen me do miracles. All these years you've seen, you've seen the dead raised. You've seen the blind see. You've, you've seen 5,000 people fed uh, loaves of fish twice. You know, how come you don't believe what's been said? It's because the disciples weren't listening. And I just feel God saying here, be listening. If you want passion with God, be a listening person. Listen to God. It's a tough thing to do. It's tough to sit down and, 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 try, to, and try to listen and be still. Uh, his word says, be still and know that I'm God. It's a tough thing to do, but he wants us to be a listening people. That's step one of the three-step process to a passion rediscovery. Step two of the three-step process to a passion rediscovery is be reminded. Be reminded. Verse 27, please, Brittany. Verse 27, step two of this process is be reminded. 
And in verse 27, after Jesus has scolded his disciples and tell them, why aren't you being good listeners? Jesus then says, or Jesus then carefully unveiled to the disciples the revelation of himself through the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. The disciples knew these things. They'd heard these things. They'd been walking with Jesus for three years. They understood um, the writings of Moses and the prophets. They had seen them before. They had read them before. They at least heard them before if if they couldn't read. They were familiar with this text. They were familiar with this information. And so once Jesus says, listen to me, he then reminds them about their first love, about where it first came from. Revelation. Ooh, it's the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, say these awesome words. Jesus says, I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. Do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Jesus says, remind yourself of your first love. That's step two. If you want a passionate rediscovery with God, and as the band joins me on stage, if you want a passionate rediscovery of God and and a passionate relationship with God, an undying passion with God, you need to be reminded no matter where you are, if you feel like you're you know, passionately on fire with God or you feel like it's almost completely gone, you need to be reminded of your first love. Good. Yeah. And number three of the three-step process to a passion rediscovery, be passionate. Look at the person next to you and say, be passionate. Be passionate. The truth is, is that we have to be what we want to be. You might say, Sam, uh, how do I be passionate? You may say, Sam, I want passion in my life. And I'll say, be passionate. You might say, Sam, I, I want to be, I want gratefulness. Be grateful. I want to be excited about life. Well, be excited. I want to be loved. Well, be loving to other people. We have to be passionate if we want passion with God. And that means a choice. It's not a funny, fiery feeling. Although in this story, the disciples said they felt they felt felt the fire burning within them as Jesus was speaking to them. And so maybe you'll benefit by having God brew a fire inside you. But uh, you have to be passionate if you want passion in your relationship with God. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.